So welcome back. We're going to talk about Oedipus for the final time today, and then we're going to move on to Antigone. So first and foremost, let's look at um, the last piece of information that we learned uh, last time around, and then we'll sum up the information that we have swirling about in our heads. Remember, we at this point have all the information necessary to connect the dots and to realize what has happened in the past and what the cause of the plague is, but we don't necessarily 100% want to know how to connect the dots. Because if we are Oedipus, even though we say we want to find the source of the plague, what do we not necessarily want to know? That we are the, that we are the cause of it. That's right, that's right. But as you come closer and closer to pinpointing that cause, and it looks more and more like it is you, what sort of feeling would start to well up more and more in your heart? Great anxiety, perhaps, yeah, what else, what else? Fear, yes, and even potentially horror. Because this is not just fear that you caused the problem, this is fear that your entire life has been a lie, almost literally speaking, and in fact that your life is going to change quite a bit, that you're going to go from hero to zero, or even worse than zero, if that's even possible. So, remember that the messenger who showed up from Corinth told us that Polybus was dead, and that Merope and Polybus were not the what's of Oedipus at all. Yes, the parents, they're not the real parents. So at first we thought, oh, good, prophecies. They don't mean anything. Apollo was wrong. And then we find out that actually Merope and Polybus were not the parents of Oedipus, so they were not the people he was prophesied to what and what with. Yes, kill and lay with. That's right. And so he went from being off the hook to right back on the hook. And so, ugh, we just have one more person that we need to see. And that person is the person who was first charged by Jocasta with killing the baby of Laius and Jocasta. Why was it that that baby was to be killed? What prophecy had Jocasta and Laius heard? Yes? That he will kill his father and his mother. That he will one day kill his father. I think they only knew the kill his father point. And so they tried to kill him, but they didn't want to corrupt the city, so they didn't want to do it what? themselves. They didn't want to do it themselves. But when you give somebody else your responsibility, do they always carry it out in the way that you want them to? No. no. And when that responsibility is killing a baby, do you think people are very eager to do that sort of thing? Absolutely not. So this messenger, who was a herdsman of Thebes, went to the guy who had his herds uh, right next to his, his neighbor, who was a herdsman from Corinth, gave him the baby. That man ended up giving that baby, who was Oedipus, to Polybus and Merope, where he grew up. Then he learned about his fate, or rather he learned that he was adopted from a drunken man who spoke a bunch of nonsense, went to a, a Delphian or, or the Pythian oracle in this case, and found out that he was supposed to lay with his mother and uh, kill his father, went to Thebes, where he ends up actually doing all of that. That said, the only way we can 100% confirm this is when the original herdsman who was given the task of killing the baby shows up. Remember, he not only was given that task and claimed that he did it, he did not, but he was also one of the people who was a part of the retinue of Laius when he was attacked by so-called robbers. So if he tells us, A, that he did not kill the baby, and B, one man killed Laius, who definitely is the cause of all the suffering in this play? Oedipus. All right, so let's look at that. So, major revelations so far. And let's write these quickly. We need to go through this fast. Laius was killed on the spot that Oedipus killed a man. That's called circumstantial evidence, but a very strong circumstantial evidence. If you kill a man on a very particular spot and a man uh, who you, was unidentified was also killed on that 
very same spot at that very same time. Uh, you know, it's looking sort of like you were the person who killed that very specific man. The man here in this case was Lias, the former king of Thebes. The man who killed him was Oedipus. We will connect that together soon. The original servant who we now know was sent to kill Oedipus has been sent for. What he needs to confirm for us is, was it robbers or a robber who killed Lias? And uh, the latter, recall that the latter would incriminate Oedipus. Then, since Polybus is dead, we thought that the curse could not come true, but we found out that Polybus was not Oedipus' father. So if this servant comes back and says that Lias was killed by one man, Oedipus will have lived out the curse that he tried so, so hard to avoid in the first place. Let's keep moving. So, Oedipus shows that he's being a bit thick. Jocasta is the one who first puts this all together. And recall from watching the play that she, she says, do not, do not pursue this any further. Do not pursue this any further. What is it? Does anybody recall why Oedipus thinks that Jocasta does not want Oedipus to figure out his fate? He totally misunderstands the situation. He thinks that the reason why she doesn't want him to further uh, pursue this line of thinking is that he will find out that he is not of royal blood. He thought he was the son of Polybus, a king. But he thinks that Jocasta, in her vanity as a queen, will dislike the fact that he is potentially born of a commoner. Uh, he, <laughs> he has no clue how much worse it is what it is he's going to figure out. And so she says, I beg you, do not hunt this out. I beg you, if you have any care for your own life, what I am suffering is enough. Oedipus assumed Jocasta thinks he could be born from a slave. He's being a fool here, a nephew, as Homer would say. Oedipus and Jocasta then argue. She is arguing him away from a humiliating and terrifying truth, and he is raging himself towards it. She takes her final exit. We know that she will soon commit what? How? Suicide how? Mm -hmm. By hanging. And we see that that is a particularly feminine way of dying in ancient epic mythology. We know that that's the way that, who else died in that way? Yes? Antigone. Uh, yes, yeah, Antigone dies in that way. That's true. She hangs herself, just as Jocasta does. That's an excellent connection, especially since we just read that. Who else? Who else, though? The serving, the serving maids of Oedipus. An unwarlike way to die. Very good, very good, very good. All right, let's keep moving. Oedipus then misinterprets Jocasta's flight. He thinks that she thinks that he's the son of a slave. And he claims he's the child of fortune. It would be better if he said he was the child of ill fortune. Wouldn't you agree? I would agree as well. The chorus then speculates about the mother of Oedipus. Was she a nymph who lay with Pan? Pan is a, uh, Pan is, um, a very interesting deity. There was actually recently a movie made about him in the last 15 years or so called Pan's Labyrinth. He's a... Uh, Pan in Greek means all as well, so it's sort of like an all-encompassing spirit of nature. But he's often represented as a so-called fawn, human uh, top half, and I think it's either goat or deer. I think it's deer bottom half, because um, it's, it's satyrs that have the goat bottom half. In any case, uh, if you ever read The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe, you'll run into a fawn. Yes? A centaur has a horse bottom four legs. And a minotaur has a bull top half. So, yes, they're all hybrid creatures. Hybrid creatures. We'll talk about what a hybrid creature means when we get to uh, Circle 7 of the Inferno next year in Dante. And so, was she some bride of Loxias? That's a name for Apollo. Uh, all these are wrong. So, an old man enters. Oh my 
goodness. It's like a church bell, bong, or a gong goes off. This is the man, the Theban herdsman, who was first charged with killing the child and was in the train of life when a man, who apparently this servant was supposed to kill long ago, shows up and kills life. This is the man that has the information that we have been waiting for and waiting with great anticipation. We have this herdsman does not remember the messenger from Corinth, but the messenger from Corinth, as you recall from watching, really, really refreshes his memory. He says, no, no, you remember me. We would, we for three years or so, every day would see each other and we would move our herds together. And I, I forget, one of them had double the amount of animals of the other. I can't recall which one was which. But in any case, the messenger says that he kept a flock near this man for two or three years. He says, did you give me a child? The herdsman then says, he begs not to tell Oedipus the truth. He says, I wish I died the day I did. Indeed, indeed. The baby who this herdsman gave to the messenger from Corinth was the child of Laius. This is the final piece of information we need to know what. Who killed Lias? It was, and who was it that killed Lias? The what of Lias? The son of Lias. Which prophecy has come true? The one that was told to Oedipus and the one that was told to Jocasta and Lias. Can you run from your fate in this Greek mythological world? No. Absolutely not. So, ask your wife. Jocasta. She's the one who gave the baby away, who apparently was <laughs> you, you, due to an oracle that the baby would someday kill its parents. So because the herdsman pitied the baby, he gave it to the messenger from Corinth. He gave the baby to Polybus and Merope, and that's how all this got started. Oedipus now has very much changed, is a changed man. We see that his recognition and his turn of fate all occur at once is recognition. I have lived out the prophecy. I'm not the son of Polybus and Merope as I thought I was. I am the cause of the pollution of this city. I have been blind to everything that has happened around me. He goes from the luckiest man in the world, the hero of Thebes, to the least lucky man, a luckless man all at what? Once. Do you feel the power of that change? It's like you go from ha ah, ha to ah, 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 all at once. And can that happen to any human? Of course. Remember, who was it that, I would be very impressed if somebody recalled this, book 24 of the Iliad. Who was it that Achilleus mentioned having a very similar situation to that to Priam in order to get him to eat? Priam, of course, is a good example of that. He had everything, and then he lost everything. His sons, his honor, his head, his kingdom. But who was it that was changed into stone to forever cry waterfall after her 14 children were taken from her because of her vanity? Niobe, very good, very good. Do we have countless examples of people going from everything to nothing and nothing to everything? That is the course of a human life. And so... Enter a second messenger. Jocasta is dead by her own hand. She has hanged herself, we find out. And Oedipus apparently broke into that room with a sword, potentially to kill her, and uh, to find the womb of double sewing. Uh, that means that she both bore Oedipus and bore children to Oedipus. 
and found, he found Jocasta already gone, so he took her golden brooches from her tunic and stabbed them into his eyes so that he would never again have to see the light of day and never again see the faces of those who would look on him with horror and disgust after finding out who he was. Ooh, that's a gnarly picture. Picture of Oedipus blinded. So now, Oedipus will cast himself out from the land he has cursed. Even though he doesn't know where he's going, where would he go? Where will offer him hospitality once they hear who he is? Odysseus was one person going amongst the Phaeacians being cursed by Poseidon. But Oedipus, the man who double-sewed with his own mother and polluted the city that he was king of, it's a, it'll be hard for him to find justice anywhere. His life is darkness now, literally, and that he cannot see. And in terms of direction, he knows not where he's going metaphorically. He knows not where he's going physically, because he just can't see. He curses having the bonds on his legs broken. He, just like so many characters in this play, wishes that he had never even been born, wishes that he had died when he was young, or had never grown up at all. Sort of like what, what is it, who is it that Hector wishes had died without ever having been married because of the curse he brings on Troy? Yes? Paris. Paris, yes. It's like he wished he hadn't lived, he had never lived at all because of the choices he made. Whew, rough stuff, and he laments his fate, Creon approaches. That's a gnarly picture of Oedipus hugging his daughter for the last time. What are the names of his daughters? Who can recall? Yeah. Antigone and Ismene. Very good. So Creon approaches to help, not to brag. Remember that they had had a little friction because Oedipus had, of course, been um, accusing Creon of being a, uh, a traitor. So Oedipus requests, please exile me. Send me to the mountains of Cithiron. Take care of my two daughters, please. And then he hugs and says goodbye to his daughters. But even with wailing and sadness, if we could go on forever doing it, we would. But does time pass and do we have to stop at some point? Yes, and we see a change even here at the end. I hope I, I mention it. Oh, that's pretty good. That's a good picture. That's a good picture. Good. He weeps for his daughters. And he says, and when you are ripe for marriage, who will he be, the man who will risk to take such infamy, infamy as shall cling to my children? Interestingly enough, Antigone will actually find quite a fetching fiancé, Hymen, the son of Creon. Um, uh, and the only son, I believe, of Creon after he sacrifices his son, Megarius, in order to win the Theban War. Yes? Were <coughs> the sons and daughters of Oedipus ever... Oedipus. Oedipus. Were they deformed, or did they have any... Like no, 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 no. They were not deformed. Um, I mean, there is a higher risk of, I think, what is it, Down syndrome. And the more interbreeding occurs, the higher the risk becomes. But in this case, the only, the only thing that gets corrupted is not their physical being, but their fates. But their fates. Which is perhaps a prefiguration of our scientific knowledge that something doesn't tend to work out very well. In any case, Oedipus abdicates to Creon. That means he steps down from kingship. And Oedipus asks for Creon not to take the children. And I always like this last little bit here. He's now Creon is king. He starts to act like king immediately. Creon says, do not seek to be master in everything. Because is Oedipus master of everything? He's not even the master of his own what? 
his own fate at this point. Creon will be steward until Eteocles and Polynices come, to, come of age. They, of course, will have a war, and uh, Eteocles and Polynices will strike each other down during that war, and it will be the case that actually in Oedipus at Colonus, which we aren't reading together, it's Oedipus who curses his sons, um, and potentially it is because of his curse that they fight with each other. And um, uh, I, I would need to reread Oedipus at Colonus to know perfectly, but uh, there's something about, they're trying to get something out of him when they approach him that he does not want to give. Um, they do something sort of rude and trespassing. I'll look that up for you. I'll look that up for you. I haven't read that play in some time. I would give that to you all, but we only have so much time we have to get to the Aeneid. In any case, the play ends on a very different note from how it began. Any questions? That was Oedipus, students.